Amen. Appreciate that song. What a great song, O glorious day. And certainly our Savior lives. You know, we don't just celebrate that in Easter. We can celebrate that uh, every Sunday, really every day of our lives. And it is because the Lord lives that we're saved. And we certainly ought to thank the Lord for that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to continue with our, our study on, uh, on Elijah and going through the life of Elijah, I enjoy, Elijah is one of those robust, exciting prophets of the Old Testament. And I just really enjoy studying his life, to be honest with you. Um, and, and last week, we saw that he was sent to Zarephath. Remember, he had gone in before Ahab, and uh, as God had directed him, and, and he condemned all of Israel. Uh, because of the Baal worship that was taking place in Israel. Uh, they had turned away from God, and really it was led by the king, and the king was initiating and, and carrying forward these things and, uh, and turning away from God. So Elijah goes into King Ahab, and he declares that there will be a drought in the land, and it's not going to rain, and, and get this, I love this part, and it won't even do. That's how bad this drought's going to be. It's going to be so dry. It's going to be devastating. And Elijah says, until I say so. And then God takes and moves him elsewhere. And, uh, and of course, the king uh, then is searching all, all throughout all of his land to find Elijah. And Elijah then, uh, God had instructed Elijah right after he proclaimed that proclamation to the king to go to the brook Cherith. And so Elijah was then uh, in a period of waiting and we talked about how, uh, how, boy, it is exciting to serve the Lord. It was exciting for Elijah to go in uh, and, and tell that king, hey, it's not going to rain here until I say so. God has condemned Israel. You talk about exciting, that would be an exciting assignment. Maybe scary in some regards, but exciting. I mean, you're doing, you're going. But then God directed Elijah to the brook Cherith. You talk about a boring assignment. Lonely, set there by the brook Cherith. And the ravens are going to bring your food. I think that was the first carryout, all right? Um, and, and so the, the ravens then would feed Elijah. And could you imagine, we talked about this, as Elijah's setting by the brook, it starts to dry up. And the Bible actually says, and the brook dried up. And, and God had yet to give instruction to Elijah until after the brook dried up. And then uh, uh, God comes to Elijah and says, hey, go to Zarephath because I have prepared a widow woman to feed thee. And we're, we talked about that last week about Elijah going to Zarephath and the widow woman then taking care of Elijah. This week we're going to look at the weeping. Um, and you talk about the ups and downs of a life. Uh, this, this is so illustrated in this portion of text. 1 Kings chapter number 17 and verse number 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him on his own bed. 
And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, thou hast also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came in into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, By this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. And let's stop and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege, the opportunity that we have to be in your house on a Sunday morning. And God, looking and gathering around your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would, uh, that you would bless and, and encourage and strengthen each and every person this morning that's here. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, understand that uh, Elijah and the widow woman uh, and her child were living contentedly in the blessings of God. And their faith has been expanded. You remember uh, in the very beginning when, when Elijah went there and God said, hey, uh, God through Elijah said, hey, make, God, make Elijah a cake. And she goes, wait a minute. I've only got a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil in a cruise, and, and I'm going to go make my last cake with it that my son and I may eat it and die. I mean, she had no other provisions. And the Bible says, of course, that they, she did make for Elijah first, and then she made for herself and for her son. And the Bible says that for, uh, they ate on that, uh, that out of that oil and that flour there, for many days, God miraculously provided over and over and over again. And, uh, and she would go to that cupboard, and every time, just my personal thoughts, she'd pour out the last drop. Uh, and, and, you know, you know, you can't pour out the last drop of oil. Uh, it just, there's always that little bit. It just bugs me. I mean, you got to, you know, you know, if you really are... I, I'm probably too thrifty for my own good, and uh, and you got to get something to scrape it out of there. I mean, that's the only way to get it last out. And I think she just let it drip and just set it down. And there's always that little bit in the end. But then she'd go back the next day, and again she would have enough to pour it all out. And again the flour would there would be enough. And and every day they were they were living on the blessings of God. And that first day was like nervousness. I mean, uh, I don't man I. All right, I'll give it to you because that's what God said. We'll prioritize what God has said. We'll do that. And God blessed. Uh, and, and then she went back the next day and miraculously there was more. And, and I imagine as the days went on, it got more comfortable and it became easier for her to take every step by faith and every day. It kind of gives new meaning uh, to the, the Lord's prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. But there she was living in God's blessing, reaping God's blessing, and watching God day by day provide for everything that she needed. And the blessings were there, and her faith was there, and she was smack dab in the middle of God's will. But let us understand 
that you can be right where God wants you. You can be doing exactly what God wants you to do. It does not exempt you from trials and hardship in your life. And we'll see that in the lesson this morning. And I'm reminded of the verse in 1 Peter 4.12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I remember years ago serving the Lord and I had just started out on deputation and, and, uh, and, and things were, uh, we were raising support to go to Peru. And, and if you don't know what deputation is, it's basically, uh, I would take my family and we'd go visit. Of course, I would call ahead. Let, let's go back to that. I'd call and schedule meetings at these churches that I didn't know. I'd never been there, uh, and so I'm calling these churches, and they'd ask for information. I'd send them my information, and then we'd schedule a meeting. We'd go, and, and, uh, and we'd go, and, and the pastor would be like, before we'd arrive, he'd say, hey, I want you to teach Sunday school and give a presentation, then I'll preach the morning service or something like that or, or whatever. And, and so we would schedule these things, and we'd show up to this church that we didn't know anybody at, and, and, uh, and sometimes I'd preach, and sometimes we would just present the, the, the mission field, and and, uh, and I remember doing all of that, and that was, that was uh, enough excitement for me. Uh, but, but on top of that then, I ended up losing my job. And on top of that, my car blew up right after we had our second set of twins. And I'm like, I'm looking at, a, uh, no, our first set of twins, and I had a Chevy S10 pickup. I tried to convince my wife that we could really secure those baby car seats in the bed of the truck, but she was having nothing to do with that. And I remember our car blew up, and, and, and it was trial after trial. We're like, man, I don't know where. And I remember thinking this, Lord, I, I know for sure that I'm doing what you want me to do. I know for sure I'm going where you want me to go. But what I don't understand, Lord, is why are all these trials popping up in my life? And I remember thinking that and wondering, Lord, I, I, I honestly thought, you know, there's enough work just trying to raise your support without the additional problems that would pop up. And, and, uh, and God, uh, God said, hey, I'm working in your life. And I look back over those things, and I look back over those trials. And, and I, years, I remember giving many a testimony in many a different church saying, hey, you know, the Lord, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Sometimes we look at trials and we say, especially me, I, I like to have plans. I like things to go smoothly. And I, I look back and I say, man, I don't understand why all those things happen. But I do know this. God taught me to trust in him more and more and more through every single trial. And so Elijah, the widow woman, are right smack dab in the, in the, in the center of God's will. And I want us to notice the place of the trials. We're prone to think that if we're in the center of God's will, that no trials will come our way. It's clear, uh, it is certainly clear when we are out of God's will that we'll have trials. And probably that's why we think that. I mean, we just talked about Jonah just a couple weeks ago. And uh, we went through the entire life of Jonah. And Jonah was running from God's will. And so God sent a storm. And, and the storm did not convince Jonah. And so God uh, prepared a fish. And, and they threw Jonah overboard. And Jonah was swallowed by the fish. And so we know if we're running from God and we're not in God's will, then we expect those trials and we expect those hardships. But what somehow in our mind we think, well, if we're everything we're doing right, then we shouldn't have any trials. But that also is not true. Um, we may have trials. I can tell you this, we'll have less trials 
Because uh, when you're running from God and you're not doing what God wants you to do, there will be harder trials. There will be more difficulty in life. Just the effects of sin will bring problems into our life that, that if we're living for the Lord, we'll avoid those things. But again, we won't have a, a perfectly calm seas. We will have difficulties and trials in our life. So we find here that Elijah and uh, the widow woman, let's look at the place of trials. They were in the place of obedience. Elijah, what a wonderful prophet. You look at every step of his life. God tells Elijah, go to Ahab and make the proclamation. Elijah goes to Ahab. He makes the proclamation. And, and Elijah, from what we understand of the text, he didn't seem to have the next step. I mean, after he gives that proclamation to uh, Ahab, then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, go to the brook Cherith. And he's by the brook Cherith, and he's there, and he's waiting on the Lord, and, and that whole time, just, just loneliness, uh, solitude, um, no action, nothing to do, and he's waiting on the Lord. And after the brook dried up, and I'm sure he was thinking this, and I'm sure he was praying every day, Lord, this brook is getting smaller, and my water supply is getting less. And when it finally did dry up, uh, then God said, hey, I want you to go to Zarephath. And we find a picture of obedience time and time again in the life of Elijah. He was right where God wanted him to be. How about the widow woman? She was very obedient as well. Uh, it was a great trial for her. It was a great uh, thing for her, for God to say, hey, I want you to make for the man of God first. Take what you need, what you and your son need to live on, and give it to God first. But she was obedient. She did that. And she was very obedient to what God wanted to do. And, uh, and obedience doesn't exempt us from trials or hardship. What about the place of service? Uh, I've already kind of touched on this. Elijah obviously was serving the Lord. He was not inactive. He was actively serving the Lord. And he was doing what God wanted him to do. Uh, he was still hiding uh, there in Zarephath. I imagine he was not going out. Maybe there was less pressure being farther away from the nation of Israel. But nonetheless, he was a fugitive and a wanted man. And he was still there in Zarephath serving the Lord, doing what God would have him to do. The widow woman was actively serving the Lord. Every day she was making cakes and, and, and preparing and providing the food for the man of God, Elijah. Every day she was, uh, if you think about this, she was harboring a fugitive, a man that was wanted by the law. I don't think they had post offices and I don't think they had wanted posters, but if they had, I can assure you that Elijah's picture would have been up there and, uh, and a steep reward, uh, 10,000 10, uh, pieces of silver. I, I don't know what the reward would have been. Uh, but, but I can assure you there was a, there was, uh, he was a wanted man. And, and here she was actively serving the Lord by harboring God's man and taking care of God's man. And so we find both of them are involved in the service of the Lord. And sometimes when we think, oh, we're serving the Lord, we're not going to have hardship and trials. Listen, serving the Lord doesn't exempt us from trials. I can tell you time and I can tell you story after story after story of people who are serving the Lord and were serving the Lord who have gone through some very difficult trials in their life. It happens. And so they're in a place of obedience. They're in a place of service. I want you to know that they're in the place of blessing. 
Uh, Elijah was blessed. Uh, he was really greatly blessed. Could you imagine being by the brook Cherith? We don't know how long he was there, but let's just, let's just say for sake of argument, he was there for three months, I have no idea, of absolute solitude. I mean, I, I, I can about guarantee you when that, he looked forward to that raven coming, and I bet he told that raven everything that happened the past day. Because, I mean, that was the only visitor he got. Um, he was in solitary confinement for all practical purposes and, and locked down. And so by Elijah moving from the brook Cherith now to this widow woman and, and her son, I mean, he had, he had somebody to talk to at least. That was a huge blessing. He had somebody to sit down and eat a meal with every day. And that was a great blessing in his life. And, and so uh, here's Elijah uh, reaping the blessings of God. Here's the widow woman. She's blessed by the daily miracle of provision and life. She was fully expecting to cook her last meal many days ago and starve to death. That's what her plan was. She didn't have any other thing else to do. She had no other food. She had no provision. She had no savings account. She had nothing set aside. She was in a hard place. And so now, on the other side of that hardship, hey, was a great blessing that every single day she'd go to that kitchen, she'd go to that cupboard, and she'd pull out that food, and it was there enough every single day to make, her the, make the food that she needed. What I'm saying is that God was blessing Elijah. God was blessing this widow woman. All the nation around them, all the area around them, they were suffering. They didn't have water. Crops were running low. Uh, animals were, were, were starving and dying. And, and you could imagine the hardship that was all around them. But in the Zarephath, in this little house, there was the blessing of God being poured out day upon day upon day. But even the blessing of God does not exempt us from trials and hardships. We see the place of previous trial. Elijah had experienced some trials in the short time that we find, and, and I'm sure that even if you go back into his past life, there had been trials in his life. But there sitting at the Brook Cherith, uh, I believe, boy, that was a hardship. I believe that was a trial for Elijah to sit there in, in solitude and, and to remain hidden. And I believe that was something that was very difficult for him to do. I, it would have been difficult for me to do. Uh, I mean, I think, man, I, I would love just to go to the woods and sit. And I'd like it. I really would for a day. And then it would get old. And, and I'd want to see people, and I'd want to talk to people, and I'd want to be around people. And, and Elijah uh, was there for quite some time. Again, we don't know for sure, uh, but how about this widow woman? Uh, what about her life? What do we know about her? We don't know a lot, but we do know this. Her husband had passed away. Hey, that's a trial. That's a difficulty in her life. And she had gone through that. And, uh, and, and the, the people around her uh, were Baal worshipers. I, I tend to think and I tend to believe, based on the fact that God said he had prepared a widow woman there to sustain thee, that this widow woman had been walking with the Lord. She was not worshiping Baal. And so she was already... Uh, uh, she was already in tune with God, but there were trials. Uh, how about the trials of all of her neighbors and all of her friends that were, uh, that were going the wrong direction? She was going forward for the Lord. I'm just saying that there was previous trials, but listen, uh, sometimes in our life, we ought not think that because we've already been through a trial, whew, we're all done. 
No, that's not the way it works. Life, a lot of times, is, is a trial, and then a, a brief uh, time of rest, and then another trial pops up. And, uh, and so uh, they had been through some trials, and they were going to go through another trial with the passing of her son. So we can see the place of trials. Now I want you to notice as well the perplexity of trials. You know, trials have... Uh, trials and difficulties have a way of making people say things they often regret. Boy, there, there's so much truth to that. And, uh, and I noted a long time ago that, you know, we tend, to, we tend to say things to people we're more comfortable with. I say things around my family that I would never say to other people. I, I get frustrated around my family that I would never get frustrated around other people at, about. Because we're comfortable with those people. And, and, and it's just kind of a natural thing. It's just part of life. But we say things sometimes that we regret. And, and I want you to notice the cause of this trial. Look at all the blame that's going around. Boy, they're, they're pointing fingers every rich way when this son passes away. And it, it was a great hardship. I mean, uh, you got to imagine this was her, for what we know, it was her only son. It may have been her youngest son. Maybe her other children were grown and gone. We don't really know. But, uh, but this was her one son that was there. Look with me in verse number 18. The Bible says, And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? And we find that uh, she's instantly pointing her finger at Elijah and blaming Elijah for this trial. And, uh, and, and she says, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? And, and how quick we are sometimes to blame church or blame the preacher or blame a teacher or spiritual guidance in our life. Uh, we're, we're quick to say, Hey, it's their fault or somebody else's fault. And, and we're quick to point a finger. And we find that, that she was very quick to blame Elijah for this trial, I don't believe that, that, uh, that Elijah was the cause of the trial. Uh, I don't think she was the cause of the trial. I don't think there was a... I think the whole reason of the trial is that God was growing uh, Elijah. God was growing this widow woman and, uh, and allowing them to experience great blessings in their life. And we'll get to that. But, but she's quick to point out, hey, this is your fault, Elijah. And she's quick to point her finger at Elijah. Look with me there in verse 18. Again, the Bible says... The second half of that, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? This is her, her, her pointing her finger at Elijah. Then she's saying, hey, you're bringing up my past and my sin. We don't know what that sin was. Uh, it really doesn't matter. But, uh, but you know, notice, note this and understand this that sin and guilt often cause us to lash out at other people. That's just true. And we need to recognize that. Even sins that have been forgiven, even sins that we know, hey, that's in the past, that's under the blood, it's gone, it's taken care of, but still we, we, we tend to think about those things and, and the guilt that crops up in our life will cause us to, uh, to be... Uh, 
critical or uh, quick to lash out and say things. You know, the, there's, a, there's a song that, uh, that, that says, hey, I'm, I'm happy to remind him, talking about the devil, it's under the blood. Because Satan is the great accuser of the brethren. And if he can call to mind, and if he can bring up past things in your life, and he can remind you of them, and he can get you to dwell on them and think about them, and if he can get you fighting with one another, hey, you know what? Anything that he can do to, to stop forward motion of Christianity and advancement for the cause of Christ, he's happy to do it. And so we find that, uh, that, that, hey, he will bring up things. And, uh, and we have to remind ourselves uh, that, hey, uh, praise the Lord, I'm saved. That was in the past. And God has made me a new creature. And I'm glad about that. And the Bible says that, that, uh, that he, they're, they're buried as far as the, the east is from the west. Never to be remembered no more. And God's not going to bring them up. They're forgiven us. And so we need to understand that. But she was quick also to point out her own faults and her own sins and, uh, and blame Elijah, saying, hey, you're bringing all this back up. Look at verse number 20. We find not only uh, Elijah and the widow, but we find in verse number 20, Elijah says this, And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? Now, one thing I, I, I don't like about text, straight up black and white, you can't hear the tone with which it's said. And so you can look at this a couple of ways, because we really don't know Elijah's heart. We don't know how it was said. Uh, and, and I tend to think I'm, I'm more prone to give Elijah the benefit of the doubt that it was not an accusatory tone. It was not, it was not out of anger and spite towards God, but rather it was more of a question of, God, I, I'm not for sure what's going on here and why these bad things have happened to this lady's son. And, and kind of a question. I remember when, uh, when I was a teenager, um, I had gotten hit by a car, and I was, I was laid in the hospital for a week, and uh, it's a long story, and, and it was kind of uh, a mess, but uh, I remember laying there in the hospital thinking to my, and my parents were out of town, so I was all by myself in the hospital, and, and I remember thinking, um, thinking to myself, Lord, I'm not for sure what you're doing. I, I, and I remember thinking, sitting there in the hospital, praying, Lord, if... It, have I done something wrong? Is there anything wrong in my life? Let's look at that first. Let's make sure that we're all good and that there's nothing wrong. And, and I, I couldn't find anything. And, and, and I thought, Lord, I, I don't know why this happened. And I don't know all the reasons about this. But I imagine you're doing something. And thinking to myself, I wonder what you're doing, Lord. And, and not knowing. And I kind of think that's how Elijah is asking this. Not that he's charging God foolishly, and not that he's accusing God of bringing evil to this lady's life, uh, but rather saying, God, I, I'm not for sure what is going to come of this bad situation or the evil that has befallen uh, this lady and her son, uh, but, but I'm looking to you for answers. But some people are quick to charge the Lord, and they're quick to say, it's your fault, God. And, and blame God for bad things. And we need to be very careful that we do not do that. And I don't, as I said, I don't believe, just looking at Elijah's life, Elijah's character, that that is his tone that he is taking. 
And so sometimes the cause of the trial, we don't always understand. And we're quick to point fingers and we're quick to say this and say that. But sometimes we just have to say, you know what? The Lord's doing something and I don't know what it is. But I'm going to wait and find out. By the way, uh, after, that, after that accident, when I was hit by that, that the police car, uh, the Lord provided me a, a large sum of money of which I, I took my first missions trip. And, and I held on to that money for years. I, I thought, you know, the Lord blessed me with it. I don't know what it's for. Uh, then I'm just going to hold on to it until the Lord shows me what to do with it. And, and I was probably uh, the richest kid in my high school. Um, I mean, nobody, I, I just imagine that. I don't know. Because um, I had money. I was, I was tracking uh, mutual funds when I was 18 and, and tracking money because that's where my money was going. And I was like, man, I, you know, I'm all sad. And and, uh, and, and of course, the Lord used that greatly for many things, and I thank the Lord for that. But when I was laying in the hospital, I didn't know what was going to come of all that. I, I didn't know that that was even a remote possibility. And God blessed in many ways. But I'm just saying we ought to be very careful about pinning the cause of the trial. I want you to notice Elijah's conduct throughout this trial. Look at what he does there in verse number 21. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. I want to kind of speed through these, but they're very important. I want you to notice first and foremost that he cried or that he prayed earnestly. The Bible says he cried unto the Lord. Listen, when, when you go through a trial, and it's something so serious that you're physically crying before God, hey, that's, that's a serious trial. And Elijah was earnest in his prayers, not crying. Uh, this was not even Elijah's son, but this is how involved Elijah was, that he, was, he cried unto the Lord. He was very earnest in his prayers. He was very specific in his prayers. He said, let this child's soul come to him again. Elijah was, was asking straight up, God, give this child his life back. And Elijah, not only did he pray earnestly and specifically, but I want you to notice as well, he prayed boldly. This is the second time that he's prayed boldly for God. Uh, listen, it's amazing when you go to God and you ask God for something that is so bold. Listen, sometimes he does things. That, that only he can do, that only can be explained by God. The Bible says in John, uh, James chapter 5 and verse number 16, at the second part of that verse, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The example that it gives in verse number 17 is Elias, who is Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. That's how we know how long it was. This was his second bold prayer. His first bold prayer was going to God and saying, Hey, I want you to withhold the rain and withhold the dew as judgment on Israel because of their sins of Balaam. And the Bible says that for three years and six months it did not rain. That was that first prayer. Here's another bold prayer that we see the answer to and we see directly that he goes to God and he says, God, uh, I want you to bring back the life of this child. 
something that's totally unheard of, something that's totally foreign, something that's, that's asking God for the impossible, something that's never been done before, not in Elijah's lifetime, not something that he's witnessed. I want you to notice this. Elijah prayed privately. He took that child up into the room, and he prayed privately. Hey, listen, there's something good about getting alone with God. There's something good about praying together corporately. There's no doubt about it. But I tell you what, there is something about getting alone with God. And you praying and talking directly to God. That's what Elijah was doing here. He prayed earnestly. He prayed specifically. He prayed boldly. He prayed privately. But I want you to see the product of the trials. We've seen the, uh, the place of the trials. We've seen the, uh, the, the perplexity of the trials. We, I want you to see the product of the child. Look with me in verse number 22. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. What a wonderful verse. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See thy son liveth. I want you to notice that this trial produced life. I mean, this was a great miracle. And, and that God restored, and only God could restore. Uh, I've heard it pointed out in the past that Elijah took and stretched himself on the child, and, and the child did not come back to life three times. And it's kind of like, hey, we'll try all our efforts in our flesh, uh, and, and we'll try what we can do, maybe to warm him up, maybe to compress his chest, or whatever he was doing, but it was a failed attempt. But when he called on God, hey, things happened, and God did things. And God gave this child his life back. I want you to notice that this trial produced joy. Not only for, uh, the, the, obviously this child was very joyful that he had his life back, but, uh, but the widow woman, boy, could you imagine the joy in her face? Elijah comes bringing her child back down and he's now alive. Like, that's inconceivable. That's beyond our thoughts. And the joy that would have flooded her soul. I believe Elijah was joyful. I mean, he, he had gotten to know this little boy. He'd been around there for, for quite some time, and, and, and they were serving the Lord together. And, and, and I'm sure that Elijah rejoiced greatly uh, with that. And, and I want you to know that we quoted, I quoted 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number um, 12 earlier. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But in verse number 13, it says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Hey, there is a great joy in a trial. 
Oh, I don't enjoy going through them. I, don't en- I didn't enjoy uh, losing my job. I didn't enjoy my, my motor blowing up in the car that I bought. I didn't enjoy all of the trials that I endured. But I tell you what, I looked back and I saw how God provided and provided and provided. And I say, man, I know God is blessed. And I know that God has provided and taken care of me in ways that I could have never done myself. Can I tell you this? He did a better job than I could have done too. Hey, great joy in living for the Lord. Elijah and this widow woman experienced a great joy of watching God work and it produced opportunity to see God work. Boy, we need that in our lives. Trial produced proof of profession. This woman, she turned to Elijah and she said, Now I know that thou art a man of God. I've seen it. I have seen it unequivocally in this, in my child being brought back to life. Not only that, but there's spiritual knowledge. When you watch God provide in your life, when you watch God do something in your life over and over again, listen, it's going to come back and you'll be like, man, I'm growing spiritually. She, this widow woman and Elijah could go on to do greater things. Why? Because they had watched God work unbelievable miracles in their life. I'm glad it's not just one thing and then it's all done. It's a progress. It's a path. It's a a journey that you take and that you continue to grow. And you continue to take another step. Another trial comes and and another step. and, and, And then another thing and another thing. And your faith grows and you become so solid in the Lord because you know Hey, he has done this, and he's done that, and he's done this in my life. Hey, it comes step by, it's baby steps. It's little things that, that builds up. God's not going to throw uh, the, the greatest trial at you right away. I mean, sometimes there are little trials that you've got to look to God, and you've got to say, hey, I, I need the Lord in this trial. And we find the, the product of trials is great blessings and watching God work in our life. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. We see the weeping of these trials, the place of trials, the perplexity, the product. There's trials in Christian life. But boy, they, they produce great joy. They produce great experience if we trust in the Lord. Father, we thank you for Elijah. We thank you for the experience. We thank you for the illustration. We thank you for the example that he is in our lives. God, help us. Help us to get through those trials. God, maybe somebody's going through a trial this morning. Maybe somebody is in the midst of a trial and it's a big trial and God, it's a difficulty in their life. I pray that you would help them to look to you. Help them to pray specifically, pray earnestly and pray with boldness and pray God with faith and God, I pray that you would help them. God, maybe they've just finished a trial. And they're, they're looking back and they're saying, wow, what an amazing God we serve. God, help us to react properly to the trials that we go through. We'll thank you. Help us to look to you at all times. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. You can pray at the altar. You can pray at your seat. I encourage you to pray. Pray specifically. Pray boldly. Pray earnestly pray that God will work and he will
he's faithful. I don't know what trial you're going through. I don't know what difficulty you're having in your life. But I know this. God is the answer. He's the one that can help you. He's the one that can strengthen you. He's the one that can provide for your need. It's God.